episode 98 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. A lot to get to this week. Big things to talk about. First, some house cleaning notes to get to. I'm down in Florida. I told you guys last week, last week would be my last show back up in the tri-state area before I hunkered on down, got all my stuff, and after some crazy travel uh brief tip beware the auto train try to get my car down here it was a nightmare but i'm here i'm in florida um excited to do my stuff down here get my work going again down here in florida even more excited that the knicks are in the playoffs we'll talk a lot about that this week we'll talk about possible playoff matchups playoff matchups are basically set in the east obviously the play-in round still very much to talk about there the west play-in round not quite set. We don't know all six teams that are guaranteed a spot in the playoffs. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the different playoff scenarios for each team as well. And some crazy stuff in the East and the West that we'll specifically talk about after we go deep dive into the Knicks first half of the podcast. Again, it, it's I'm in Florida. It's hot. You might be able to hear the air conditioning in the background. I got a new setup down here. I'm excited. You know, I'm excited about what's going on. Excited about the Knicks. was watching... The games this week, just really proud of of where Tom Thibodeau has brought this team. I think that's a good place to start. I think, obviously, the Knicks are playing the Spurs as we speak, so I won't be able to touch too much on that game uh, this week. But listen, the Knicks have done their job. Tom Thibodeau, when he took over, we thought it might take a season for this to all get going, for him to really get through to the Knicks as far as you know, preaching his culture, adding in players getting his style to work, things of that nature. He's gone above and beyond. And the Knicks are guaranteed playoff basketball for the first time since 2012-2013. It's a pretty magical time. Uh, even even watching, uh, and we'll get to it more in depth, but the Laker game and the Knicks just missing out on clinching it there, it still felt just as good when the Celtics lost to the Cavs, knowing that the Knicks were back in the playoffs and and it was just a fun thing to celebrate with friends colleagues of mine who are nick fans it was a special night it was a very special night i hope you guys had a very special night as well on the wednesday when the knicks did clinch at least bare minimum the sixth seed so they're in the playoffs they do not have to worry about the playing round that by the way with the celtics loss guarantees that the celtics will be in the playing round remarkable turn of events there the knicks will finish higher than the celtics this season, so it's a it's a really 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 cool thing. It's it's just exciting. I'm excited about it. I hope you guys are as well. We'll talk about the playoff scenarios a little bit more in the second half of the show. Let's start just with the week that was for the Knicks. Didn't get off to a great start. Obviously, the Knicks were playing Denver as I was recording last week's podcast. Didn't end too well for them. Obviously, the Knicks kind of laid a little bit of an egg. In that first quarter, in particular, uh, Knicks were outscored in the opening quarter of the Denver game, 34-12. to I think it's the most lopsided quarter the Knicks have had in the last two or three months. I can't remember the last month, or sorry, the last quarter of a game where the Knicks were outplayed that thoroughly. And I think the Knicks, listen, they earned respect back, I think, from Denver the last three quarters. They outscored Denver in each of the last three quarters, but the damage was done. Denver held the Knicks at arm's length for the majority of the game. 
and ended up coming out with a pretty lopsided 113-97 win. Again, the Knicks earned their respect back in the last three quarters, but that le- that egg they laid in the opening quarter turned out to be the downfall. And listen, Denver's really tough at home. They've obviously been dealing with some injuries at, at different times this season, but they're 25-10, and 10, at least at the time, after that win at home. So really tough to go there and get a win. Uh, Knicks gave the, would have given themselves a chance that they played a little bit better in that first quarter. Wasn't to be, and in the end it was a 113-97 loss. Uh, listen, it was good balance scoring. Randall, uh, Bullock, Barrett, and Rose all had 14 points, but nobody else was in double figures for the Knicks, and it was one I think that at the time you just kind of thought, well, just throw it out, throw that one out. We don't need to work, you know dwell on that one a lot. We knew that was probably the toughest, if not the second toughest game of the road trip. It was right there, towards the top of this six-game road trip the Knicks just completed uh, last night, as far as you know time recording the podcast is concerned. So it, it's you know we I had a feeling at some point one of these performances would rear its ugly head. For the Knicks, it ended up being in Denver, and it was a you know again a lopsided defeat. You know, and I, I could dive a little bit deeper into it, but it was one quarter. It was one really bad quarter. Um, the Knicks have had that this season. Normally, it's the third quarter where the Knicks just don't seem to have it together. This game was the first quarter, and the Knicks again they earned the respect back. They were able to trim back into the lead uh, that they you know had given up big time in that first quarter. Just a lopsided quarter. Uh, of play where the Knicks really just couldn't get anything going. Only 12 first quarter points. I think I think that's the lowest amount the Knicks have scored in a quarter all season. If not, it's right there. So, again, an off quarter leads to a bad night. Denver, so tough to beat at home. They proved to be again on the night. Knicks lost 113-97, but they bounced back. You know, and, that, and that's all we really were hoping for on this road trip. Listen, you know, it didn't... didn't Go so great in the third and fourth quarter against Phoenix, but I thought the start was much better. They came out with a lot more of an intensity. I, I really would would have liked to see the Knicks get this one only because of the way that Phoenix kind of pulled away and came back at the Garden to get the win. And I was kind of hoping the Knicks could maybe get a little bit of revenge against Phoenix only for the simple point that, you know, Phoenix, again, one of the best home records in, 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 uh, in almost at college, in NBA hoops, with, uh, I think now it's got to be 27-9, and nine, something like that, after this win that they got against the Knicks, and they've done well since. So, tough place to go again. And that's what made this road trip extremely difficult. Six straight on the road, almost all of them, at least four out of the six, not easy at all. So, in the end, 128-105, the Knicks fell to Phoenix, and it was the third and the fourth quarter. You know, really, it started in the third, Phoenix... We're just really tough, really difficult to stop them, especially offensively. Again, you, you think about playoff-wise, do they have enough you know, to make a deep run? Do they have enough depth off the bench to win an NBA title? I think that maybe is in question. But the West is wide open, and Phoenix is one of those teams that can certainly challenge for a Western Conference crown with, with Booker, with Paul, and with Ayton leading the way, and Mikael Bridges was really good against the Knicks on this night in particular. Randall was good with 24 points, had 11 rebounds, and was efficient from the field. Not much more you could ask from him. Had four assists as well. And he's, I believe, the first Nick in history. 20-plus points on average, 10-plus rebounds on average, 5-plus assists on average in a single season. Historic numbers 
that Julius Randle's putting up. So he had 24, 11, and 4. R.J. Barrett, you know, again, inefficient from the field, still had 23 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 turnovers, and a couple of those were key in the third quarter. In particular, 12 points from Reggie Bullock, who's, again, not always shooting well from the from the field, but is still giving you meaningful baskets in games. And then, listen, a, a rare double figure came off the bench from Taj Gibson. Kind of goes to waste, but he's still even in the latter games of this road trip, made a big impact. No question about it off the bench. And, and Derek Rose probably by far had the best road trip of anybody not named Julius Randle. 17 points off the bench in the game against Phoenix. And, you know, listen, it was one quarter against Denver. It was about a quarter and a half against Phoenix. That's that 38-17 to 17 fourth quarter. Kind of put it a little bit. Yeah, this game probably closer than the score indicates, but still a convincing win for Phoenix, 128-105. And it did kind of start to unravel for the Knicks in the third quarter. There, there were definitely signs it was starting to turn in Phoenix's favor. Knicks had, a, I think, a seven-point lead at the break. And Phoenix, you know, started to twist the screws a little bit in third, and they started to get, you know, back. You know, they took a lead, obviously, and then put the Knicks away in the fourth quarter. And listen, you know, Phoenix at home, Tough to beat in general, but when you give DeAndre Ayton 26 points, Chris Paul had 17, Bridges and Booker had 16, and then you had three guys off the bench in double figures. It's going to be a long night if that happens. Crowder, even Kaminsky had double figures. He hasn't had too many of those this year. And on top of that, you had 15 points off the bench from Cameron Payne. Not going to win too many games against Phoenix when seven guys are in double figures. And again, you know, the biggest for me, when you talk about Phoenix long-term, Jay Crowder, X-Factor. You know, if he can continue to give Phoenix 15 points, roughly off the bench, 10 to 15, Phoenix is going to be a tough out in the playoffs. They, they really just need that fourth or fifth guy to give them that scoring, and they're going to be a tough, tough team to deal with. And Crowder was not healthy the last time the Knicks played the Suns, and now you look at it now, and, and you can see the difference he can make certainly off the bench. And by the way, all 18 of those points for Jay Crowder, six three pointers. So that's that's how he makes his impact felt off the bench. And a tough one. You know, a tough one for the Knicks to swallow considering they got so close to beating Phoenix at the garden and let it slip in the fourth. They, you know, played well for a half, maybe a half and a, a half of a quarter, two and a half quarters of decent basketball, and then Phoenix, you know rose to the occasion in the latter part of the game, specifically in the fourth quarter, and put the Knicks away. So it was a fitting, at least for them, a fitting victory. And, and you know, I think the Knicks, again, you know, got to feel good about the way they started. But again, fourth game of six on the road, I had a feeling there'd be a couple where you just, you know, the Knicks would run out, of, run out of gas a little bit. You know, the middle two ended up being those two games. So in the end, 128-105, Suns win it. Difficult. Difficult to take, but the Knicks would have their moment as we shepherd on over to the double dip in the Staples Center. And I've said it on, I think, two or three separate podcasts. The Knicks were were starting to get their signature wins. They were starting to get the wins over the teams at full strength that were playoff teams. This win in, in L.A. over the Clippers was probably the signature win of the season to this point, if you think there's another one better, you know where to hit me up at SJ7 on Twitter or postingandtoasting.com. Shock Shock Knicks podcast in the comments section. 
I'm curious because I think this is the one. I think this is the signature win of the season to go to the Clippers full strength. Knicks hadn't won there since 2010. 11 years ago was the last time the Knicks went to LA and beat the Clippers. They were able to, to get it done. And listen, there was a ton of heroes. Obviously, you know, the Knicks weathered an, a little bit of an early Clippers storm. And listen, Kawhi had had his had his points. He had 29. Nobody else, though, over 18 points. Paul George had 18. Didn't shoot great from the field. But Batum with 13 and Reggie Jackson with 12. And they didn't let... You know, they didn't let a lot of those other guys like Rondo, Beverly, and Marcus Morris beat them. I, I mean, that was huge in this game. And I, I really think, you know, and obviously DeMarcus Cousins only had eight points as well. So I, the Knicks did a really strong job defensively on the supporting cast around Kawhi Leonard. I think that really was key to the win. And despite only 14 points... From Julius Randle, he had 14 rebounds. The Knicks got a huge game from Reggie Bullock, one of his best games of the season. 24 points on five made threes and four rebounds. Pair of assists, or I should say a try of assists, three assists. A pair of steals and a block. He did everything for the Knicks. He had 18 points from R.J. Barrett. And then, of course, Mr. West Coast, Derek Rose, 25 points off the bench. Eight assists. And six rebounds. And this whole thing with Peyton starting the game, playing maybe, you know, getting in the end 15, 20 minutes a night, and Derrick Rose picking up the slack after, it's working. It's working really well for Tom Thibodeau's bunch. Obviously, another part of this trip is the Knicks, for parts of it, didn't have Alec Burks, didn't have Emmanuel quickly. You're dealing with shuffling around the lineup. Derrick Rose was the biggest key to that working. And the Knicks really needed a big close to this game, they gained momentum in the second quarter. They took a lead into the break. They had to really fight for it. And then they slowly but surely put the Clippers away in this game. And they come out with a 106-100 win. That as soon as as soon as the final buzzer went, first of all, you're secured three wins on this road trip. That's huge. I think the, I think the Knicks needed three on this six-game road trip to, in the end, secure a playoff spot. I think they needed three. They could have gotten four. We'll talk about that in a second. But on top of that, I just felt that was the one. That was the one that kind of put the Knicks over the top. And they get it. Big, 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 big win. Arguably the best of the season for the Knicks. If you don't think I'm right on that, you can let me know. But to beat one of the best teams in the West on their home floor this late in the season, I think Tom Thibodeau and company deserve a lot of credit for that. So again, a marquee win. Nearly shirt up a playoff spot. For the Knicks, they had one more to go in L.A. Lakers, same building, different colors on the floor. This was a nail-biter of a game. This felt like a playoff game. Obviously, no LeBron James for the Lakers, but Kyle Kuzma stepped up. Anthony Davis ended up leaving the game, or I should say ended up not playing the next game because he got hurt. Uh, had Had a solid game as well. Uh, Horton Tucker ended up killing the Knicks late in the fourth and in overtime despite turning it over seven times on the night. Andre Drummond had a huge double-double. So the Lakers, for what what they had on the floor, a lot of their their major guys stepped up. Knicks, you know, the usual suspects. Julius Randle at 31 had a huge three late, late in overtime that I thought might have given the Knicks the win. 
ended up not being the case, but he made some huge shots in the fourth quarter and overtime. Derrick Rose was phenomenal at 27 off the bench. Big key, no other Nick in double figures. Nilakina, who had probably his best game in maybe two or three months, had nine points off the bench, but no other Nick in double figures. I think the biggest... The biggest key, I think, for the Knicks here, R.J. Barrett really struggled. I think R.J. never really got going in this game. He finished 2 of 14 from the field, 0 of 7 from deep. It's been a while since we've said that about R.J. Barrett. Only 8 points. If he has a normal R.J. Barrett game, the Knicks win this game in regulation. I think there's no question about that. But it was a playoff. It felt like a playoff game. It felt like a very big game. Both teams needed it. It's, it's, it's the part of the play, and I think that's really shining bright. This late in the season, these games that would normally not mean anything mean a lot. Both the Knicks and the Lakers would have taken a big step to missing the play-in with a win. Lakers kept their hopes alive, although they're still very much in jeopardy. They're still a game back of Dallas, who now are the closest team they can get to in, in the West to that sixth spot with Portland winning yesterday. So it's interesting. Very, very interesting what's going on. We'll dive a little bit more into the West race in the second half of the show, but in the end, Horton Tucker makes a huge three with about, now I'm forgetting, 30-something seconds left. It was a big shot in the game, and R.J. Barrett misses a really tough three. What wasn't a good shot at the buzzer in overtime. And the Knicks, who probably should have won it in regulation, had a chance to win it in overtime, didn't take the, the, you know, didn't take advantage of it, for lack of a better term, and lose 101 to 99. It would have been a really nice way to clinch it in LA uh, after beating the Clippers in the, in the previous game. Would have been a really cool way to sure up a playoff spot with a, with a dramatic late win at the Staples Center. But in the end, you could say they, the Knicks sort of did that with the Clipper win. But in the end, you know, the Lakers obviously get it done and they needed it, obviously. Then you know, it was still up in the air. Uh, until late last night on the Wednesday when the Clippers, or I should say, goodness me, the Celtics lost at the Cleveland Cavaliers who have nothing to play for. So the Celtics are probably looking around at themselves. Again, no Jalen Brown, he's out for the season, so the Celtics are still working on things there. But game you would expect Boston still to win under Brad Stevens. They didn't get it done. The Cavs do the Knicks and the Hawks, although the Hawks would have clinched anyway with a win over the Wizards. But in the end... Cavs do the Knicks a big favor and get the Knicks over the top and the Knicks are in the playoffs for the first time in eight years, seven, eight years. So it's really an amazing thing. I just, with the expectations that were on this team, with where many thought they would end up, the fact that we will get playoff basketball, no play in, playoff basketball for the Knicks. I think two things that come to mind immediately. One, the players did an amazing job this year buying into what Tom Thibodeau had for them and just continued to work endlessly on achieving this goal and they were able to do it in the end with three games to spare. And on top of that, Tom Thibodeau is your NBA coach of the year. It's confirmed for me. There's nothing you can do to change my mind. I think four, five, or six seed, Tom Thibodeau is the NBA coach of the year. There's no debate now. If they maybe slip into the play-in game, Maybe there's a debate, right, if the Knicks have the play-in. Maybe they don't go to the playoffs. Who knows? They lose two and they're out. If that happens, then there's there's a debate, right? But they made it to the playoffs. There's no debating it anymore. 
I think Tom Thibodeau is your NBA coach of the year. There's no close second for me. I know other guys, have, we've talked about some of the other candidates on this show. But for me, it's Tom Thibodeau, and then there's everybody else for coach of the year. It's his. I think the NBA needs to give it up to him right now. This has been an amazing, amazing turnaround. Considering where Fizdale and Miller had the Knicks a year ago now, where we're dealing with a pandemic, the Knicks had won 21 games. The Knicks are now leading the Spurs in the third quarter, hopefully on their way to a 39th win and a playoff trip as at worst the sixth best team in the East. That's a remarkable thing for the New York Knicks to take going forward and hopefully into a playoff run moving forward as well. All right, we'll take a quick break here when we come back. We'll dive further into the Knicks playoff matchups, potentially. There's a few out there. And we'll look at the situation out West. It's getting juicy specifically if you're a Laker fan. All that and more is coming up next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Second half of the show, we'll dive into the Lakers in the West in just a second. But let's look at the Knicks playoff matchups. We talked a little bit about this last week, but it's official now. So we can really dive in to where the Knicks could possibly be. Obviously, at the moment, Knicks... Uh, are in the sixth spot. They couldn't. They could still improve from that position. They're only a half game back of the fourth place Atlanta Hawks. The Bucks are pretty much set in the third spot. They could jump up to second over Brooklyn. So there is actually still a potential Knicks Nets first round series. That's actually not out of the realm of possibility at this point in the season. Although Brooklyn has won three in a row. So it's curious you know, to see what happens with that. And with Kevin Durant healthy, not only I don't think the Knicks would want the Nets in the first round, but also I, I think that the Nets are they've got their eyes set a little bit higher. I think they want a, a, a they want a shot at one of those play-in teams. I'm thinking uh, on their radar uh, at the moment. So listen, when you look at at the Knicks' possible playoff matchups, if the season ended today, it still wouldn't be an easy first-round series. Knicks would be playing the Bucks in the first round. And listen. You know, Knicks are without Derrick Rose tonight quickly, and uh, quickly, I believe, is still out. Burks back into the rotation for the Knicks. So they're still going to try to win. They want to win these last three games and possibly eclipse Miami and eclipse Atlanta. So then maybe you're looking at a Knicks-Hawks first round or a Knicks-Heat first round. I think that's where the Knicks would really prefer to have. I think Hawks would be the, the ideal first round matchup in a 4-5 setting. Knicks having home court advantage. I think that would be best case scenario for the Knicks at this point, but I think the Knicks would take the heat over the Bucks and certainly over the Nets. So we'll see. Obviously, all those would be difficult. The Hawks, I think, would be the most manageable. The Knicks have played the Hawks really, really well for the most part this season, and the Hawks have been at full strength for most of those games, So, and, and as have the Knicks. So I, I would be excited as a Knicks fan to see them play the Hawks. I think it's a winnable series. You would have to likely play the Sixers, depending on how it how it would go as far as seeding and things of that nature. Looks like it'd be the Sixers in a second round series, and then you take your chances 
obviously. Knicks have played the Sixers tough, but haven't beaten them yet this season. So we'll see how that goes. But I think at the moment, those are probably the two you'd look for. Hawks first, if you can get it. Obviously trying with a trying to finish the season strong. Knicks are playing a Spurs team tonight that has to win to try to clinch the final spot for the play-in out west. But then obviously, if you can't get the Hawks, you take the heat over potentially facing the Bucks at this rate is who the Knicks would play. So I think at the moment, Knicks are in a pretty good spot. They're, they're hoping to finish the season strong and, and improve their seeding. And obviously, if they can, maybe get Atlanta or Miami in the first round. Really quick, the East is still not set, though. I thought it might be by the time we did this show, but it's not quite set yet. Nine of the ten teams are known. The Celtics will be in the play-in against either Charlotte or Indiana, it looks like. Although they could still play the Wizards. It's not a done deal yet. But the Wizards have not yet clinched that final spot. They're very close. They have a two-and-a-half game cushion on the Bulls. So the only team left that can catch them. The Raptors are out, the Cavs, the Magic, and the Pistons long gone. So... It's either the Bulls or the Wizards. The Wizards are pretty much set. They're likely going to clinch despite losing a couple the last couple of games. So it looks like it's going to be Celtics, either Hornets or Pacers, and then either Hornets or Pacers versus Wizards at the moment. So two pretty good matchups, obviously. I think for the NBA, you'd be hoping that somehow the the Celtics and the Wizards get out of that and move on to the NBA playoffs. And I think for me, I'd like to see that just to see the Nets or the Sixers, the Bucks, whoever's the top two seeds, get a decent first round series. I don't think, to be fair, Charlotte might be able to give that to one of those top two teams. I think it's more likely that the Wizards, who are pretty hot at the moment, or even the, the wounded Celtics would give a better showing than a young Hornets team. Although, to be fair, you never know. Could, could shock some people. Or a Pacer team that's been probably as Jekyll and Hyde as anybody in the East all season long, especially among the 10 playoff teams that are likely at the moment. So it could be it could be a lot of fun, obviously. Celtics-Hornets would be fun, no question. I think the Hornets might actually be favored the way the Celtics are playing. Celtics have now lost four in a row in seven of their last 10 overall. So it's not looking great at the moment for them. And the Hornets are, are not in great shape, but they've rebounded a little bit with LaMelo Ball back in the lineup. Pacers have been all over the place. They have won their last two, but they've been up and down all year. And the Wizards are overall doing very well, although they have lost their last two, but against good teams. So a lot to look for in the East, more than I think I had anticipated before looking through things for the show this week. So I'm excited about that. And obviously, whether it's the Sixers, the Nets, or potentially, there's still time here, the Bucks as the top two seeds, I think they could get a tough, test again maybe nothing earth shattering but at least they'll be challenged a little bit in the first round now in the west there's still a lot to figure out even more to figure out than in the east jazz are trying to shrub the number one overall seed phoenix is the only team that can catch them clippers and nuggets kind of jockeying for three and four at the moment a little bit one game separates the two and then there's a little bit of a drop off and then really it's it's portland and it's dallas trying to make sure they don't get into that play-in game. But so far, Portland's done a much better job of the two, at least of late. They won five in a row, nine of their last ten. They won again on Wednesday uh, against Washington. A really, really strong couple of performances. I should say, sorry, pardon me, against Utah on the road. They beat the the, the Utah Jazz. They get Phoenix uh, as we speak on the Thursday. So, Portland, watch out for them. They are are red hot at the right time. 
Dallas has won eight of their last ten, but they're both only a game back of the Lakers, who have now won three in a row and avoided disaster in, against Houston on Wednesday to keep themselves in this thing. But there's only a few games left, and it's out of the Lakers' hands. They need help from Portland and Dallas, and the key there is that both Dallas and Portland have the tiebreaker over the Lakers. The Lakers actually need to make up two games if they want to stay out of the play-in. As it stands right now, the Lakers would play Golden State in that 7-8 game, which would just be a monster of a play-in matchup. And then Memphis would play, it looks to be San Antonio, although San Antonio did lose again the other night. They've lost 7 of the last 10. However, first of all, it's against a good Nets team that are that's at pretty much full strength. Second of all, I don't think the Kings, another two back, and they've won seven of the last ten, the inverse of the Spurs. I don't think the Kings catch them. I think it, it would be it would be a heck of a story because the Kings were thought to be dead and buried a couple of, 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 well, a month ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago, dead and buried, really, in the West. But they've eclipsed New Orleans, and they are the only team left with a shot at catching the Spurs. They're running out of time, but there's still enough time left for them to possibly get back into it. So... I, but I'll tell you this right now. Laker fans won't like it, but I would sign up for Lakers-Warriors play-in right now. I would do it in a heartbeat. And frankly, it looks likely at the moment. They're running out of games here. Portland has won five in a row. The Mavs have won eight of their last ten. It's very possible. And then, you know, obviously Phoenix trying to catch Utah for the number one seed. That could change a few things specifically out west for that first round series and obviously nobody wants to play a LeBron-led Lakers in the first round so that number one seed could be pretty coveted uh, depending on how things go down I think you'd rather play Golden State I know Steph Curry's Steph Curry but I think you'd rather play Golden State than LeBron a healthy LeBron and the Lakers so very interesting to see how that turns out in a potential first round series only because (laughs) Poor, poor Utah and Phoenix, the two year, the year that they're both right there for the number one seed, this never happens, they could face LeBron or Steph in the first round of the playoffs. It's just an absolutely tough luck break for them. But I, I, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Would be really fun to see maybe a Clippers-Mavericks rematch in the first round. That would be a very interesting series. Obviously, Luka hit a big buzzer beater against them last year but the Clippers won the series Blazers Nuggets could be good Den- uh, sorry Dallas against the Nuggets would be solid there's a lot of really good matchups amongst the three through six a lot of good pretty much any two any sets of options here you get any of the two series look to be pretty good as far as those matchups are concerned so not a lot of movement potentially there's still time for it obviously down Dal- I should say Clippers are only two back of the Phoenix but it's more likely, I think, that Phoenix gets the number one seed than the Clippers catch them for the two. So, it, it, again, regardless, the West, again, delivering some really good playoff potential here, matchups galore, that could really whet the appetite moving forward. And really quick, San Antonio as well. When you look at that situation, trying to clinch the spot, Memphis-San Antonio, not a bad First round series, of course, Memphis last year in the bubble nearly got to that first round, but they were eclipsed by the surging Portland Trailblazers. Damian Lillard was just on fire 
in the bubble a season ago down in Orlando. Actually, for me, it's up in Orlando. Remarkable. And to be fair, the Blazers shouldn't even have been there. They were dealing with injuries galore then. They still are a few now, but they're much more well-equipped. They're they're in the five spot right now. They keep, you know, they, they're probably a win away from clinching a playoff spot. There's a lot of good stuff to think about in the West. A lot of good scenarios that could really be fun to look at moving forward. Also, a quick note as well, you know, tough to see the Pelicans miss out. We're still Zionless in the playoffs after, I guess this is year two, full year two of Zion with the Pelicans. Went down with another injury as well towards the end of the season. Hopefully sooner rather than later we see Zion Williamson in the NBA playoffs. He's still yet to make his NBA debut in the playoffs. So another year where the Pelicans come up just short, and I think in the end for them it was that road record, 13-22 and 22 away from New Orleans, cost them dearly down the stretch. So Spurs or Kings, I mean, I, I, again, I don't think the Kings will get there, but Spurs-Memphis, I think seeing John Morant in the playoffs for the first time should be a lot of fun. I think the, I think the Grizzlies will be favored too in that one-off. And obviously the winner of that game plays the loser of, at the moment, at the moment, Lakers-Warriors. Goodness, I don't think anybody had that at the beginning of the season. I think we thought both teams would be there. Possibly one play in one playoff team there in between those two. Both could be play in and both could be playing for their lives right off from the get-go. And again, remember, seven versus eight, the winner gets to the playoffs. Loser goes to a sudden death game against the 9-10 winner. And then the winner of that game gets the eight spot and moves on to play. At this point, again, could change, but at this point in the West, you would get the Utah Jazz. What a prize. (laughs) And again, Utah Golden State, wow, would be a remarkable, remarkable series to watch. No question about that. Steph Curry taking off, taking on Donovan Mitchell, Mike Connolly Jr. This amazing run that Utah has been on 31 and five at home this season. The loss last night, a rare one at home at the hands of Portland. But again, remember that Warrior, sorry, uh, Utah, not exactly, you know, at full strike. They're resting some guys at the moment through injuries and things of that nature, trying to get ready for the playoffs. But they also want to clinch that number one seed because, again, I think you'd rather play Golden State. Again, it's a, it's a pick your poison, but you'd rather play Golden State than a healthy LeBron and the Lakers. Again, LeBron's very close to being back. Could have played against the Knicks, could have played against Houston. He's still kind of resting up. But when LeBron comes back, I know AD's still a little banged up as well. He didn't play against Houston last time out. But I think you'd still take your chances with Golden State over LeBron and the Lakers. But that's just me. And if you you guys differ, again, you know where to let me know about that. But at the moment, a lot of fun out West. Really interesting stuff in the East. I really think that the East is, is really, really fun. I think it could be a lot, a lot of fun to look at moving forward as well. Just checking in on the Knicks at the moment as well. I got the game up just to my my left here. Knicks are on a bad run at the moment, down 70 to 56 midway through the third quarter. Spurs are on a 27 to 10 run in the third quarter. Obviously again, Knicks are a little shorthanded tonight. No Derrick Rose. Still no Emmanuel quickly. Uh, but Alec Burks is back. He's having a good night. 14 points off the bench. 
for the Knicks. So once again, you know, it's just about the Knicks hopefully being healthy for the playoffs. If you can have Burks, Rose, and quickly all healthy, the bench would look very, very nice. And again, I mentioned this earlier, anything that Frank Nilakina can give you at this point, you will take it. He's not going to be consistent. I've talked about this plenty of times on the show. You guys love uh, reaming with me about it. Anything he can give you, anything that Obi Toppin can give you, you will take it at this point in the season. So it's exciting to see what the Knicks can do moving forward. Obviously, this would be a tough loss to take. But again, one thing to keep in mind is one, I'm only watching bits and pieces of it because I'm recording and I'll talk fully about this game next week when it's all said and done. Again, this game won't finish by the time this podcast goes out, at least in my in my land of recording this for you. So I will, I'll have full reaction to this game next week. But I think when you look at the fact that the Knicks just clinched, it's a new, it's new territory. You know, you're still dealing with the lineup changes a little bit. Guys moving in and out of the lineup through injury. No Derek Rose in this case is a big blow for the game. Again, Knicks still have time to turn this around. It's not insurmountable by any means, but... Spurs still have something to play for here. Spurs are trying to clinch that final play-in spot out west. So Greg Popovich's team certainly has come out of the locker room in the second half with a point to prove, no question about it, much like the Knicks did in L.A. against the Clippers and the Lakers. So it's interesting. We'll see how it goes moving forward. Knicks uh, playing San Antonio tonight. Then they play Charlotte. That'll be a nice little tune-up game. Uh, You know, you obviously play to win for the seeding and things of that nature. For the playoffs, obviously, you'll look to win that game. And the Knicks face the Celtics on the final night of the regular season. All three final games are at the Garden. Good news is Knicks have clinched a playoff spot. That's the biggest thing. The Knicks are in the dance. There's no play-in scenario for them. They just have to worry about seeding. And hopefully, you'd like to, knock on wood, avoid the Bucks if you can in the first round. Again, the Knicks have beaten the Bucks a few times this year, but only one of those times is at full strength. So you'd hope that... If you can, <laughs> you'd like to avoid them. And then obviously you'd, you'd end up either with Miami or Atlanta, depending on how things shake out through the final few weeks of the regular season. One last note before we get out of here. Just a couple of the performers that I wanted to highlight. Obviously, there's still three games to go in the regular season. Well, we will have a full playoff preview, by the way. Uh, probably, if not next week, the week after when everything is sh- is fully shaken out hopefully but probably next week because we'll we should know pretty much everything by next week and i believe the playoff the play and i think actually starts the day the next podcast is recorded so we'll have all that for you next week but real quick nugget i just we you guys have been you know uh hyping up you know the usual guys like randall barrett quickly rose and rightfully so but Guys like Reggie Bullock, and to be fair, you guys know you guys know your Reggie Bullock, how good he's been. Nerlens Noel, who I can't th- I can't talk about enough how important he's been to this team. Tom Thibodeau's best teams have always had a couple of unsung heroes on them, and to be fair, that's most NBA teams. But Tom Thibodeau's teams defensively always seem to have a couple of those guys that are just bring your lunch pail to work kind of guys, and Nerlens Noel and Taj Gibson have really been those two old reliable, really, for Tom Thibodeau. Derek Rose and Taj Gibson have certainly gotten it done for him. Yet again, for, uh, I think for both of them, a third stint. I think they both were with Tom Thibodeau two previous times. So 
it's really cool seeing the trust continue. They just seem to do really well in his system. So it's very exciting to see that continue to pay off. And obviously for us as fans, continue to pay off for the Knicks. In particular, got to shout those guys out. I said it earlier in the season, if the Knicks were going to make a run, those were the kind of guys that you had to look out for. And they've cashed in. They have cashed in big time. And the Knicks are going to be in the playoffs for the first time in seven or eight years. And it's really, really exciting to see. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast. As always, you guys can hit me up on social media at SJ7 or on postingandtoasting.com in the Shock Shock Knicks podcast area. Go to the comments and leave a comment for me there. Until then, I will see you guys next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.